Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. I want to give you a little background before we roll into the show today because we are always getting new listeners and uh, just kind of let you know why we're here and what we're up to and uh, how you can help if you'd like to do so. Uh, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia that we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those in the trenches take back their lives with purpose. Together, we can help everyone understand the true needs of this disease and remove the myths and the stigmas attached to dementia. At our core, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against memory loss. All of your clicks to share and like us and tweet us have had a huge impact, so I want to thank you for doing that, and I ask for your continued support in doing so. You have made Alzheimer's Speaks the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Sheer Care and Dr. Oz. So again, kudos to all of you. I know it doesn't seem like much when you're doing those likes and those shares um, in those tweets, but it's absolutely huge, the impact you have. So if you take a moment and even do that right now for the show, that would be wonderful. Again, it's just a small way that each of us can stay connected and make a difference in our world of dementia. We want to continue to raise awareness by giving voice to all of those afflicted with memory loss as well as their care partners and advocates um, supporting the cause. And again, by working together and sharing these real day life stories about living with memory loss, we give hope. I'm a firm believer we cannot thrive on fear any longer and we need to teach people how to live with this disease not as it. If you haven't um, checked out our resource website, I would um, encourage you to do so. That's just www.alzheimersspeaks.com. And there you'll have access to all of our platforms, the blog, the radio, the resource directory, uh, the free tools, our YouTube channel, and so much more. We invite all of you to reach out to us if you're interested in being a guest um, on the show. Just shoot me an email. Everybody's got a story to tell. And all of them 
help people in terms of connections. Now, while we're live, you can participate in the conversation a, a couple of different ways. One, you can uh, utilize the chat box and post a comment or a question. Or two, you can call in at one seven one four three six four four seven five seven. That's one seven one four three six four. Four seven five seven, and just push one, and that will get you into my waiting room. Um, I also just have a couple of highlights I'm going to mention before we get going. If you haven't um, listened to the last show, it was really quite interesting. You can always go to the archives. Uh, we interviewed somebody from the Better Business Bureau, and we talked about avoiding scams. Also talked with Nancy Levinson who is an author who talked about living and loving a spouse with dementia, which was quite interesting. And then our next show coming up will be June 4th, and I'm really excited about this one. We're going to have Jackie Poole on from the UK who developed Dementia Champions, and she is just a fabulous, fabulous woman doing marvelous things over in the UK with their training programs. The second half of that show will be Nicole Ivey here in the US, and she's working really hard to try to get the NFL to participate in raising awareness. Also, our last Dementia Chats was on the 24th, and we talked about things that can help us communicate better with somebody with dementia. We also touched on their eating habits, um, and hunger patterns, body temperature, and just how to deal with uh, with misunderstandings. As far as the blog goes, I have to say I, I slugged off a little bit uh, this last week, and I, I actually took some time off for myself. But I did write, I think, kind of an interesting article that talks about Memorial Day and what it can teach us in terms of how to deal with dementia. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. Um, and then, as always, I, I like to... Um, you know, tell people if you're looking for support, you can always go to Alzheimer's Disease International, and they are the organization of organizations um, where you can find an Alzheimer's Association in your community. Just go to www.alz.co.uk. Um, or if you're looking for a new study on Alzheimer's uh, disease, you can go to www.alzheimersstudies.com and they are uh, taking people for a trial there as well. And our next, um, or I should say our first guest here today, I'm very excited uh, to be working with them. Uh, Coral Health um, has launched a a new program called Music First, which is just one of a few things that they offer um, in their remedies of what I call music prescriptions. And I think we're going to have a fascinating conversation today talking about the power of music. So let me go ahead and introduce our first uh, two guests with Coral Health. Uh, David Schufman is the CEO, and after years as uh, 
a technology entrepreneur and amateur musician, David decided to take his passion for music and business and try to bring them together. This was precipitated by his middle daughter who was born with an undiagnosed genetic disorder in which he found music therapy had a profound impact on her. Coral Health, and that's C-O-R-O Health, was born in 2008 and focused on using therapeutic music um, to those in long-term care with a strong focus on individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia. After two years of building and testing the product, they completed their clinical trials in 2010, which showed their music programs reduced agitation and depression by as much as 50%. That's just incredible. The study was was then published in 2012 in the Journal of Music and Medicine. So today, Choral Health provides music and spiritual support to over a 1,000 long-term care communities, hospitals, oncology centers, and memory care communities. I want to welcome today to the show David Schufman. David, how are you doing today? And for whatever reason, you are not coming back online, so I'm not. Here we go. There we go. We got you mic'd up now. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great, Lori. How are you? Well, good. Uh, Let me go ahead and um, do the introduction for Debbie Cost, and then we'll get into our conversation, Okay. Debbie Cost is the Director of Client Enrichment and Training for Coral Health. She has, for 20 years of her profession, uh, or for 20 years was in a professional experience and five years specializing in the effects of music within an environment. Um, She has also collaborated with music design teams to create experiences for some of the biggest names in retail and hospitality. During her tenure on the commercial side, she uncovered a deeper purpose for how music impacts the lives of those within healthcare, especially the impact on music for those with Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Over the last three years, her experience and passion has awarded Coral Health and their clients this unique perspective on ways in which music affects the human condition and improves the quality of life emotionally, physically, and behaviorally. Uh, Debbie has even coined the phrase, and I absolutely love this, care in the air, to describe her faith in the power of music. Welcome, Debbie. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm very excited to have you guys here. I have been a huge, huge um, believer in Coral Health and what you guys are doing. And I think David and I ran across each other, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn maybe years ago, and have just stayed connected. And it's been fun to watch your company grow and develop and um, and just reach and wrap its arms around so many communities uh, that now um, have the pleasure of of um, taking advantage of your services because I I for one uh, you know I see the power of music with my mom and those on her her unit um, 
and in her community, and I have for years. And it's those small little things that are that are so often missed that you're just bringing to light to everybody. So, David, I'm going to throw the first um, question out to you. You've been, you know, really focusing on providing your products to businesses for the last four years, but you've recently come out with an iPhone app called Music First Alzheimer's. Can you talk about why the company decided to do this and what you're hoping to accomplish with this app? Yeah, thanks, Lori. Um, You know, it's it's something that we have been trying to figure out for years, and that is how do we empower the care partners, you know, outside of the commercial world. I mean, when we started the business, um, as you know, we started working with with nursing homes and long-term care communities and memory care communities, um, trying to test out the product and see if it worked. And we obviously went through that process, went through the clinical trials, as you had pointed out, and, you know, have had quite a bit of success. Um, but at the same time, we were kind of frustrated from a technological standpoint because we didn't have a really good way for people to uh, who weren't in one of our communities to get access to our services. And, and, you know, we would get emails and phone calls and requests saying, well, this is great, but, you know, mom or dad or brother and sister is not in one of your communities, so how do I get it? And, and so we kind of, you know, we had to be a little bit patient and wait for the world to catch up and, and wait for technology to advance. Um but as you know, over the last 18 months, it's uh, um, it's become very prevalent um, with you know how popular the iPhones and iPads have become. Not just um, with the community at large, because obviously early adopters have had iPhones for you know five, six, seven years. But we, as you know, in the medical world, everything lags behind, and so we kind of had to wait until um, you know we saw more caregivers and care partners and um, you know medical personnel start using. Um, these devices as part of their daily life, both on helping people and running their business. And, you know, we feel like the time is right now. I mean, there's a big movement right now called M Health or Mobile Health, um, and we felt like the time was right. And so, um, you know, I won't take any credit for it. I'm Leanne Flask and, and, and Debbie and, and Dr. Carol Orsborn, who work with us, you know, spent an enormous amount of time putting together this suite of apps and uh, like you mentioned, we, we launched them on the Apple Store uh, about three or four months ago. Well, it's very exciting because, like you said, so many people could utilize it in a community or a commercial setting, and your effects, I mean, 54% um, change in, in attitude. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Um, Debbie, is there anything that you wanted to add to what David had said? Yeah, to kind of to support exactly what he said is that, I mean, there were so many situations that we would be invited to go speak at family events that were hosted by a community or even doing conferences, and we would constantly be, I would be pulled over to the side by either family members or even CNAs that I was presenting to that were taking care of someone at home. And for us, I mean, that's the thing is that, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I wasn't kind of brought in or raised in healthcare. I got here as fast as I could, though. And that was the, the driving force of being able to afford or offer this to caregivers at home. Because it's like, and that's the reason why even the word, the title music first, 
is that it got its name is because we want you to consider using music first before going to something else. And especially within long-term care and in communities, kind of the default or, or kind of that more traditional approach is to go to the med cart. And so for us, it was even giving it its name of music first is that, I mean, science has proven, especially with Alzheimer's, one of the last regions of the brain to be touched with Alzheimer's is still where music, memory, and emotion sit. So to be able to offer it to not just those in the community, but to also for those at home, it was just imperative for us, just in our, not even just as a business, but just as a person and our belief in the power of music. Yeah, you had you had said something and it, it cut out on me. Um, and I I'm thinking it's an important uh, important word that you used. You said that um, in terms of developing the name for it, you went with music first, and you said that traditionally they use something else first. And I wasn't I it, it cut out with that. Can you repeat that? Sure, sure. Um, especially for us at, at Coro, um, the reason why we the name Music First, and David can definitely divulge more into this, but was just that also that trigger of using music first before going to a more traditional means of a pharmaceutical card or a med card, which we would traditionally okay. see. Um, so, yeah, so even giving it its name was to still remind people that this is something to use as a tool of support. Okay. That's yeah, right. Lori, I, I, I would just, mm-hmm. just to add to that, I, was, I would say that, you know, that, um, again, I won't take credit for that. It was really my mom, you know, as I told you, who's a hospice nurse and also has worked both in the traditional um, registered nursing field for, for elders for a long time. And, and, you know, she would always talk about, you know, the hardest thing that it's going to be for you guys when you develop this company is to try to get the people to use the music first. And, you know, and, and as opposed to, what they're trained to do, unfortunately, um, traditionally, although that's changing, is to, you know, run to the med card, as, as, as Debbie said, and said, okay, there's an issue, what drug do I have to give them, <laughs> right? Whether it's, uh-huh. you know, pain or whether it's, you know, heart problems or whether it's, you know, incontinence or whatever it is, you know, that's what they're trained is to, when something happens, to give them a drug rather than look at, find out what's going on with the person, try to interact with them, try to use other forms of treatment like music, um, like just sitting down and talking to them um, rather than, you know, running to the med card. So really it was listening to my mom kept saying, you know, saying over and over about, you know, you're going to, your hardest part of your job is going to get them to use the music first. And and finally we were like, why don't we just call the darn thing music first? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's it's an easy name to be able to remember. That's for sure, and uh, uh, it it does say what exactly you guys what exactly you guys are doing. Um, can you talk a little bit? Um, you know, because you've spent so much time in memory care units, and one of the things that might be kind of fun for people to hear from you, David, and then I'll go to to Debbie is. Can you um, share with us what's one of the most memorable moments that that you have seen in terms of your product? Yeah, there's 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 two really that kind of have solidified um, with me, and I know Debbie has thousands because she spends has spent a lot more time um, in the communities than I have. But um, there was two very early on. One was uh, a woman named Verna Benford. Um, who was probably in her mid to late 60s, 
uh, African-American woman who um, was kind of our guinea pig in the beginning, to be quite honest, when we were just developing the system. Um, and seeing the, the, the joy that she received from the product, and it was the early, early on in the product, too. It wasn't even nearly as well defined and refined as it is today, but we had such a dramatic impact on her life um, to be honest with you, I mean, if it wasn't for her and the impact that we had with her, we might not have even continued on because we were kind of in the beta stage, for lack of a better term. But, and, and I think, you know, for Debbie and, and Leanne and I um, and our other partners in the business and, and, and people that worked with us, you know, we weren't sure if it was really, you know, how big of an impact it was. But I can tell you, um, you know, having strolled by her room on, on many occasions and watched the reaction that we were getting and listening to, reaction from the staff, you know, we knew we were onto something. And then, unfortunately, when she passed away, um, Ann and I actually uh, went to her funeral, uh, which out in this very small little church out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, we received letters and cards um, from family members uh, who had no idea who we were, um, but they knew about this music service that, that was so important for Verna. And um, it really kind of pushed us over the edge as far as realizing, okay, this this is really working. This is having a profound impact. Uh, something as simple as music, um, you know, gave her the last four, five, six months of her life a tremendous amount of joy. So that that was kind of the first story. The, the second one um, was a little bit more dramatic and impactful, um, and it was a, a woman named Elizabeth that was at a, a memory care community that we were doing an installation in. And... Um, uh, the video, there's a video on our YouTube side if you, uh, you can search um, that you know, will do it justice a lot better than I can do verbally, but to see what happens. But long story short is that I was doing a sound check at the nurse's station in this memory care wing and uh, was cycling through some songs and adjusting volume, and Elizabeth was sitting on a couch probably, I don't know, 10 feet to my left. And we had her head down between her legs, and, you know, it was just completely unresponsive. I guess is the best way to say it, um, and ignoring everything that was kind of going along. And a, I can't remember the exact song. I know it was a Frank Sinatra song came on, and, man, she popped up and got right in my face and started smiling at me and kind of bobbing her head. And I was like, I mean, it was a little bit overwhelming, but I either was lucky enough or, or, or on my feet or whatever, but I pulled out my phone. And, and so you can see the video is not the greatest video quality in the world, but I literally started recording her interacting with me, engaging with me in this song that was a Frank Sinatra song. And, and a little bit of backstory on Elizabeth is that she had not only had suffered, suffered from uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, but it also had a stroke. And was pretty much non-communicative. Um, I, don't, I mean, non-verbal at all. And so, anyway, you'll see about halfway through the song, she starts humming, and then about three quarters of the way from the song, she just starts belting out the lyrics to the song. Not only in perfect key, but you know, we found out later that she was a music teacher, which made sense there. Um, but the lyrics, and you know, it kind of comes and goes, as you can see uh, when you watch the video. But it was extremely dramatic for the staff, uh, for the family members uh, who sent us all letters, and we spent a lot of time. We have some, actually some great interviews on our uh, YouTube uh, channel as well with some of their family members uh, on the impact that this had. And then kind of the interesting thing for me about it, I mean, first of all, I was, you know, very happy in, in, you know, in the moment. But the other thing that made such a big impact with me was when the song ended, 
And the next song came on, which I can't, I can't remember what it was, but uh, it's killing me that I can't remember this. But anyway, let's just say it was an Elvis Presley song that comes on. She immediately just completely shut off and went back on the couch and put her head in her lap. And it reinforced to me not just that we were playing music, because anybody can play music. You turn on the radio and listen to music. But the power of what we were, you know, the fundamentals of what we were building, which is, you know, dialing in very specifically to an individual's, you know, memories, to the music that was important to them, to the genres that were important to them. And also it kind of reinforced for me the notion that you hear from music therapists all the time, which is music can be helpful and it can also be harmful. And, it, you know, sometimes it impacts in a positive way, sometimes it impacts in a negative way. But anyway, it was, uh, those are two of my uh, most memorable stories, and, and I encourage everyone that's listening to uh, to go watch the video because it, it is a it'll bring down the house with tears. It's uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. And that's accessible on your website, David. I believe so. Yeah, it's definitely on. If you go to YouTube and you know search Coral Health and find our YouTube channel, it's one of our videos there, which I assume we link to from our website as well. Okay. Great. Uh, Debbie, how about you? Do you have a story or two on the power of music? Yeah, it's so funny because, like David said, I mean, it just there's so many stories um, that it's just it's hard to, to get down to just a few. Um, one specifically that um, it was a couple of years ago was actually when I got the opportunity to sit with a 12-year-old daughter of a resident who had um, been diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she her dad was four. And basically her only relationship with her father has been within a community. And and he had, had moved around to a couple of communities um, throughout this span. And when I got the opportunity to sit and talk with her, it was amazing because when she talked about how when we came in, her her father was a huge, he loved country, he loved jazz, he was actually a band leader, he played the trumpet, um, and here she was in junior high school and talking about how that when her father was diagnosed with early onset, that her only relationship that she had with her dad was within a community. She didn't have a dad growing up that was having breakfast in the morning and and seeing him when he got home from work and things like that, more kind of traditional means of relationship. And she said it was when we came in and provided or, or brought music to him that he loved and was part of what I call everyone's soundtrack of your life. And when we brought music to him and it kind of these windows started to open, well, she ended up bringing in um, her instrument. I think she was playing the clarinet or the flute. And she's like, it was still very difficult to communicate with her dad. But when the music was there, he would just take this expression on his face and smile and hug and just look at her. And he knew who emotionally who she was. And then one day she brought her instrument. She just like, she just, coming from a 12-year-old, just instinctively thought, let me try. And she was the first, she was first chair of her junior high um, band, and she came in and the music started to play. And he was kind of motioning to her for her to pick up her instrument. And honestly, they did. They turned the music down and she started to play. And he actually started to um, orchestrate for her. 
and everything. So she talked about how music now is the way or really opened up this relationship that she had never had with her dad before. And she said wow. she would never have known to have done that except for us being there first. And that now this is something, this has opened a whole new dynamic of a relationship with her father. Oh, isn't that exciting? It's yeah. uh it's pretty incredible, the power of music. You know, my mom has had this uh, disease, <clears throat> had dementia for 30 years, formally diagnosed with dementia for almost, uh, or Alzheimer's for almost 20 now, and um, been in her end stages for four. And so, you know, my friends know that my mom really doesn't talk or communicate much. You know, she'll there might be a word here or there, and, and that's really about it. And I went in the other day and did a videotape of somebody who was <clears throat> going to do uh, some training with the validation program of Naomi Files. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the aspects of that is, is utilizing music that this person was going to do. And my mom, again, just came alive, and I'm videoing it. And as I'm sharing it with friends, they said, well, Every single one of them, I mean, they got smiles on their face and they started giggling, just watching it in amazement. And then they, every single one of them asked the same thing, which I thought was really interesting. And they said, well, we thought your mom couldn't interact anymore. I said, normally she can't. This is the power of music. Uh-huh. And they're just astonished. And they've heard that from me a zillion times. But... um Again, because it's not, you know, it's not something that happens constantly. I think they'd get too tired, <laughs> you know, because um, I do believe it, it takes some work on their part to be able to to participate at that level. But it's just, it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It is. And, it, it, uh, oh, no, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it is. It's it, I mean, it doesn't work every time, and people believe that if I flip on the radio or CD and just wait for something to happen, but that's the reason why they was expressing that for us, we create, we take music that's part of your soundtrack that you love, but the way that we arrange it, like we have programs that are based on relaxed sleep, um, energy, Bake, and the reason why it is because these are kind of parts of your daily living, but we're taking music that you were connected to, and sometimes it will it, it it might be in the morning, and you do you kind of get what's called a halo effect, so even when the music's turned off or or stopped, it's like they still kind of have these few moments, and I know we get asked all the time that, oh, my dad was just singing along with with Johnny Cash, but then we want to play it again and there's nothing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is, there's, there's, I wish we knew what that magical, I guess you could say piece of this is, but it's really just being able to have music present, but having music that's, that's important and it's part of them and they're part of their, um, their life, their life journey. Yeah. Yeah, my mom has actually, and I've never seen her do this in my whole entire life, um, shimmy. I mean, and shimmy really well to music. And now in her end stages, and all of a sudden she gets this big, brilliant smile, she'll be looking up, you know, kind of towards the ceiling like she's dancing with somebody and is so joyful. And I'm like, I couldn't twist my shoulders like that if I wanted to. And, you know... (laughs) 
<laughs> and you think that, you know, for the most part, she doesn't have much muscle control. But apparently, you know, something changed there um, to allow that because, it, I mean, it was just amazing. And I've seen her do it maybe five times in the last four years. Um, haven't seen her do it the last year. And each time it's like, oh, I wish there was a camera because it's just so fabulous. But it's so ingrained in my mind. Um, you know, and it's just one of those um, moments that I'll, I'll never, ever forget. And music gave that to both of us. And, yeah. you know, and then when you talk about these things, which I think is really important, you're you're able to share them with others because so many people, you know, we just take music for granted you know we turn we turn on the stereo we turn on the radio in the car or listen to our iphone and um you know or whatever it is we're doing and we we know that we like it but we uh-huh. really don't understand the science behind it um david can you talk to the science a little bit about that and then i'll i'll ask deb to chime in again too yeah, of course, and, and I think that, you know, you hit on a very good point, which is, you know, we use music a lot, but we don't really understand why it has an impact, and, and, I'll, and I'll kind of come back around to answer your question, but I want, I want to make a point on that specifically, because, you know, when our objectives um, in helping people in healthcare is to, you know, create these musical programs that, that Leanne and our team have, have developed over time and that we've, you know, spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to figure out what works for people in all kinds of different areas, whether it's dementia or, as you mentioned early on, you know, oncology, general elder care. You know, we're now doing some stuff with expecting mothers and trying to help babies. And, and what we found, and you also mentioned that, you know, we're in – well over a thousand long-term care communities as well as hospitals, but it's interesting because the hospital thing is a very interesting point. I think it underscores where where I'm going with this to answer your question, is that when we started working with hospitals, the reason why it was they came to us because they had heard about what we were doing in long-term care, and they got their scores back and their patient SAT scores. Um, which is, you know, unfortunately is what drives a lot of business decisions. And what they found is that people were really complaining um, about the poor, either there was none or the poor quality of music that they were getting uh, and their lack of spiritual support, which is obviously, as you know, a a big part of our business. Um, And when we would ask the questions, well, what are you using for music today?, you know, they were using the typical answers that you would think of, you know, XM radio, Pandora, you know, whatever, random, you know, caregiver CDs or whatever. Um, and as Debbie alluded to earlier, I mean, the very specific way that we've developed these programs that are outcome-based programs that are 20 to 55 minutes in length, um, that are very specific order of songs and the progression that we take them through, and that we have a very specific outcome that Debbie alluded to earlier. Um, based on whether we're trying to help somebody come up or come down or stay flat. Um, That's a very, very, very uh, hard thing to do. And when you're listening to the radio, you know, as you know, know, radio stations are genre-based for the most part and based on popularity. Um, There's no clinical um, analysis that's being done um, on what songs to play in what order and in what volume and tempo and texture and all those other things. And so, 
um, you know, I think what, what we've spent a lot of time doing is trying to understand, um, you know, where the roots uh, of music have come from and, and the impact that it has on the brain. And Debbie and I do this great uh, presentation together that we've done many times over the years. Um, there's a where we show, and again, you can find this on our on our YouTube channel. Um, there's a great clip, a Nova clip of Dr. Oliver Sacks, um, and he has put in an fMRI machine, which, um, as you know, measures blood blood flow in the brain, and they record him listening to both Bach and Beethoven, one of which he likes a lot, the other one which he says he dislikes. And they are actually watching his brain literally light up and respond to the music he likes and dislikes. And it's fascinating because it's, it's really, you know, for the first time, at least in my career, that I've actually seen, you know, true scientific evidence that, you know, the body inherently reacts to... Uh, the music that you like. The other part that's really interesting about the video, as a side note, is they also played some stuff that he was confused whether it was Bach or Beethoven. He wasn't sure. They specifically took uh, a piece of a song that actually you know, had a lot of overlap in both of their styles, and he was confused. And he says, while he's in the fMRI chamber, uh, I'm not sure who this is. I'm not sure if I like this or don't like it. But what you could see in his brain was it was actually the artist that he liked. I can't remember whether it was Bach or Beethoven. And his brain is lighting up all over the place. So it was. Uh, it's really fascinating stuff. And, and 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 I guess the last thing I'll say, and I'll let Debbie jump in because I know she does a lot of uh, work in this area as well. Is that you know when we were developing this, you know we, we worked with Dr. Peter Janata, uh, who's a, a neuroscientist uh, um, who is devoted his entire career to understanding the music in the brain. And uh, he's the one who actually led our clinical trials and, and had them published. And, um, you know, it, it's it's real stuff. It's real science, and it's it's getting better. And, and you know, we're thrilled. We, we knew that uh, our system worked. Um, we knew the impact it was having on people. Um, we weren't sure that the medical community would embrace us if we didn't go through the, the efforts of creating a clinical trial and showing that it really works. Um, and, you know, our, our staff and everybody worked very hard to do that, and, and the results were, as you said, overwhelming. But uh, it's uh, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, Debbie, do you have some things you'd like to add? Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite websites to go to is PubMed.org, and that is where pretty much every study imaginable. And I love going in there to find out what's currently going on in the power or the study of music. I mean, you go in and you can even pull up dates, like, from from the beginning to, like, 1980, and there's just a random handful. However, you get about to the mid-'80s to today, and it's just leaps and bounds, including ours. And I think that's what it is, is that finally with technology, I always kind of say that science is now caught up to the power of music. Like we know, like you were saying before, I mean, we're consumed, massively consumed by music, whether or not we're walking to a store, getting into our car, watching TV, there's jingles to every song. I think as a child, one of my first songs was the Oscar Mayer Baloney song that's still stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's, it's, it's because of how important it is. But now I think over the years, and going back to that wonderful video with Dr. Sachs, um, that's exactly it, is that science is finally 
catching up, and now music is being looked at as something as a tool and everything. And for us, it's, it's without a doubt, especially going back to specifically Alzheimer's. Science has also been able to prove that one of the last regions of the brain in the medial prefrontal cortex is where music, memory, and emotion sit. So just like Dave was talking about Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth really had a difficult time saying her daughter's name or her son's name. But she was able to sing in key, but sing right along with Frank Sinatra. And it's because where that song sits with her, it's emotion, it's memory, and it's music. And it's that's, those three pieces right there is why, why when we get in the car, we listen to music. We are our best music therapists. However, when you go into long-term care or you go into a healthcare setting, music becomes something that's almost discounted. And that's why for us at Coro, all of us have our own personal stories of why we're here, but it's because we're trying to make sure that people understand music needs to be a tool, yet you can get it wrong. You know, and that that's a really uh, interesting thought, and I think it's very true. I mean, for most of us, it you know, we almost, we take it so for granted, it's almost like elevator music. Yeah. You know, but but there's reasons certain things play on elevators, you know, or there's reasons, you know, when you go to Vegas, there's music or there's yeah. oxygen being pumped in. Um, you know, it's it's not because somebody just decided to push the button um, because it, it makes us think and behave different, differently. And I, I think that that is one of those things that, that people don't understand, you know, and then, I, you know, I think of my times with my mom in music and just the joy, not only that it gives her, but it gives me. And then you think of all the studies now on laughter and joy and what it does to the chemistry in our body. I mean, it's so far reaching um, that we really have to take this more seriously um, because it's so easy to be able to implement into our lives, um, especially now with this app you guys have created. Um, it's yeah. just, uh, it, it's just, uh, it's fabulous. I do want to note that I did put a couple of links in the chat box to your YouTube channel, and then one to a, a specific um, uh, YouTube video as well. Um, yeah. Hey, Lori, Lori, I wanted mm -hmm. to add one more thing that I think is important and, and um, kind of boils it all down for me and, and what you were saying and what Debbie was saying is that if you think about, you know, the different areas of the brain and you think about what, what music, you know, does to us is, you know, there's there's kind of five key areas that, that, that we focused on and that um, Dr. Janata, um, you know, kind of taught us about, and that is, you know, there's the perception, which is, you know, we're hearing the music, obviously. There's the action that goes along with hearing that, which a lot of times is, you know, moving your body, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, by, uh, whether it's conscious or subconscious or, or singing along, for that matter, right? There's an action that comes along with that. Um, there's a visual impact, and this is a, this is a very big part when it comes to dealing with individuals that have some sort of memory impairment is that there's mental images and thoughts that are provoked that are related to that song that they may or may not even be conscious of, or we may or may not be even conscious of. I mean, you know, Debbie singing her Oscar Mayer song, I guarantee you 
brings back a very specific time in her life. You know, whether she consciously has that or subconsciously, it's going to happen if she started singing it along. Um, and that it kind of goes to this memory, right, this retrieval of very specific memories associated with music. And then last is emotion, and that's a very important one um, because, and that kind of goes to my point earlier with Elizabeth about, you know, and the misuse and misperception of using music in a therapeutic environment is, you know, it can be very nostalgic. Um, it can bring great enjoyment and laughter, um, and it can also bring horrible sorrow. I mean, you know, as we've seen, you know, I mean, a mu- you know, a very specific comp- song can trigger a very painful memory for someone. So all five of those, perception, actual, action, visual, memory, emotion, are, are very, very important things to understand instead of just saying it's music. Like you said, you know, it's not in an elevator for random purposes. It's not in Vegas. Um, there's, there's, there's an outcome that is being driven or trying to be driven to as a result of that. So I just think that's an important point yeah. to, to hit on a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I can think of how many times I'm driving in the car, my radio is on, and all of a sudden I just well up in tears, you know, because something triggers an emotional memory for me. And so it is very important when we're dealing with someone with dementia to know what it is we're triggering and why. And sometimes you don't know those things until a song is played, but then making sure that, um, you know, if it's at home, that family's aware of that this this song conjures up sadness for this person, or uh, you know we should maybe stay away from that. Um, uh, or if it's in a commercial setting and in a community that it's charted and that staff know as well. But communicating those things and and to me I think capturing those moments is just absolutely um, so precious because if we can, if people are comfortable sharing videotape of this it is so powerful it needs no words um to see the power behind it i mean people immediately immediately get it um some of the videos that i have with my mom i mean i've walked into conferences and seen my mom on the big screen and um, people have come up to me afterwards and apologized oh i'm sorry is that okay and i'm like it's on youtube yes please use it that's what it's there for um you know and i've I've given them some other ones to use it's it's all about sharing um the information that we have and easing people's lives so that they can live better um you know it's it's um it's just so it's so important. Um, David, now your mom was a hospice nurse, if I remember correctly, from our from our talks in the past. And and I'm thinking that she kind of had a big um influence on you in terms of putting this business together. Um can you talk a little bit about how, how your mom inspired you and and what she warned you about as well when you first got started? Yeah, no, th- thanks for bringing that up. So, yeah, my mom uh, has been a hospice nurse, still is a hospice nurse, um, in her, going into her 70s um, for, I guess, about 40 years now. Um, and and she's worked in a broad range, I mean, you know, from ER to, you know, hospitals to uh, – but she's been in long-term care and specifically a hospice nurse for probably 25 years of her career. Um, but, yeah, when we <laughs> – when we first started kind of beating around this idea um, and, and and looking at how we could do this, you know, obviously I asked her, I was like, you know, mom, you know, you deal with 
you know, people in all states, um, you know, generally in the last, obviously, chapter in their lives right now. I was like, do you ever use music as, like, part of your care plan? And then I, I'm, I remember she took me out. She was like, well, let's, she was over at my house. She was like, well, let's go out to my car. I was like, uh, okay. And she literally opened up the back of her station wagon, and she had probably 50 CDs um, and all these little Sony Discman, like four or five of these old school Sony <laughs> Discman headphones. And I was like, what do you think? She was like, this is what I, I, I always provide music. She was like, I, I mean, it was her own process that she developed. But she was mm-hmm. like, I go in, you know, when I'm doing my normal work, and then I find out, you know, what do they like? And then I go out, I grab CDs, and I leave them there for them to comfort them. And then when they pass, I come back and pick them up, you know. And I've, I've done this for, you know, 10 years or whatever. And I was just like, wow, okay. And, I was, of course, I was like, why do you do this? And she was like, because, you know, it really helps people a lot. Helps them, helps mm-hmm. families uh, when they find certain CDs or certain songs or, or you know, certain things that work. Um, it helps them relax. It helps the family members relax. I mean, you know, they're obviously passing away, and sometimes that's a comfortable uh, and very spiritual and very calm experience. And sometimes it's a very dramatic and traumatic um, experience, depending on what somebody is dying from. And, and you know, she's like, you know... And, and also being quite candid and, and not to be gross or whatever, but she was like, there's also a lot of, um, you know, things that are going on with the body when, when you're passing away and, and having people getting into the music and not paying attention to what's going on um, is also very uh, therapeutic for everybody. Um, and so, you know, she was a huge influence in, in getting that started. And um, to your second point, um, you know, she did warn me. Um, a lot about, you know, because I was naive, obviously. I've never been in a, never even been in a nursing home in my life. I've never really been around anyone who was very ill uh, and or dying. Um, I was kind of sheltered from that as a kid when my grandparents and friends passed away. And um, she said, you know, you're going to, you're going to see a side of, of, of the world that you, you, you know, you may or may not have wanted to see. And, and, and Debbie and I have, have seen and have customers and partners that, um, you know, have wonderful facilities and wonderful people that work there. And, and you know, we've seen some pretty awful ones, too. And, and you know, um, there's no point in getting into the specifics of some of the things that we've seen, uh, but some of it's pretty hurtful and, and painful. And to see people um, spend the last chapter of their lives in that type of an environment um, is very sad and, and was shocking to me, to be honest with you, um, that, that we're okay with that as a society and that that exists. Um, you know, it was a bit overwhelming to see. And so, you know, we can't change that or we can't change that, but what we can change is, um, you know, helping those people that are in those situations by giving them something as simple as, you know, our music system and the spiritual support that we provide, you know, hopefully can take some of those bad situations and, and, and make them a little bit better. They can go away uh, to another place in their mind for a while and, 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 and receive that. And then, um, and I think that... Uh, you know, mom was also very um, honest with me about what it's going to be like to be around people with Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, and as you know, that is, they can be very, um, they're not themselves. Um, they can be very, it's very confusing when you're around somebody for the first time uh, that's afflict, uh, afflicted by the disease, um, how they, you know, the things that they'll say, the way they'll treat mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, I've been yelled at and spit on and, 
cursed at and had things thrown at me and um, literally been trapped in a room with a gentleman who wouldn't let me out because he thought I was a spy. And I was in there installing a system. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. It was, it's, it, but it's been, you know, um, again, very impactful. And she warned me um, that I was going to see all that. And, you know, again, I'd never been around that before. And, uh, uh, but like I said, it also underscores, you know, what we're trying to do um, and the impact that we're having. Um, so uh, I'm, hopefully that answered your question maybe too much. <laughs> No, no, that's great. I do want to encourage our listeners, if anyone out there has a question or a comment, please uh, utilize the chat box or you can call in to the 714-364-4757 number. Um, Again, that's 714-364-4757. We'd love to to hear what, uh, what you have to say on that so um i can't believe time is going so fast here we've got about 10 minutes left um it's interesting to me that your mom and you were so much on the same page and didn't even know it um i i just find that fascinating you know yeah, that she was kind of, yeah it was very interesting she didn't even know that I, what i was working on to be honest with you at the time uh-huh yeah. Now, your daughter also, you know, just was a huge part of this story um, due to her challenges. And can you share with our listeners a little bit about about your daughter and how music impacted this whole development of Coral Health? Yeah, so we actually had, um, my business partners and I had a friend um, who had a super preemie, like 22, 23 weeks. And um, you know, he was sharing the story with us on um, how music had a huge – and he was a DJ, by the way. So he would bring in music and play for his daughter. She was struggling with a whole host of issues, as you would imagine, at that age. And that's really the kind of the, what started the whole thing for me. I was like, well, what do you mean you're, like, mixing music at home? Like, this system doesn't exist. You know? And so we got really fascinated with it. And then, unfortunately, she she passed away, but he – he was sharing the story with us and started inspiring me because we had, as you noted, uh, a daughter at the time. I think Chloe was about maybe about two or three, and we were it was just about the age range we started realizing that something wasn't quite right with her. Um, she wasn't developing uh, on the same path, um, Was had some um, delays, both uh, uh, cognitive delays, emotional delays, and kind of just general delays overall. And She was always also just a really sick kid, and and um, and we were struggling, not knowing what to do, and seeing doctors all over the country, still are. Uh, I was just in Houston last week at Texas Children's Hospital with her, who she, and she's now seven. But, um, you know, one of, somebody mentioned, you know, this music therapy. I'm like, wait, I just heard this story about my friend Jeff and how powerful music was. And now, so long story short is uh, we enrolled her at the, the, the Austin, and by just complete luck. I mean, we have the Austin Center for Music Therapy. It's one of the best in the world. Um, and Hope Young, who runs that, is amazing. And she started working with Chloe, and, you know, we saw an immediate impact, I mean, to the point where my wife and I were just blown away. Um, as far as she was able to not only get her to communicate, but her behavior changed. Um, we saw some difference in, in, even in her eating. Um, so it was, it kind of, that, at that point, really underscored it for me. I was like, all right, we're on to something here. You know, I've got too many things in the universe are telling us that this is, has, you know, that this works. And um, so it was a big part, at least for me mentally, 
uh, kind of getting on board and deciding that you know we were going to bust our butts to try to to, to make the service available to, uh, to to a broader range of people. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad that you did because the impact is is uh, you know just so so massive. And I think one of the nice things with music too is that it isn't anything new to us, and so for others to use it and apply it, it's not so scary. Where sometimes when you know you're trying something new, um, you you have all that fear in terms of trying to figure out how to use it and what it is. Um, Harry Urban has made a comment here. He says, I can use music to visualize walking the streets of Colonial uh, Williamsburg and not only see the sights, but smell the smells that surround me. Harry does a great job with vis- visualization, and it's just a nice place for him to be able to to go and calm himself and find that peacefulness. So thanks for sharing that, Harry. That's so so important. Um, really appreciate that very much. Um, yeah, Lori, that, just, I was going to hmm? say on, on that point, um, we're actually, Leanne actually just created a, a series of, of custom music for my daughter literally like three weeks ago. And um, she's got these real specialized headphones that she wears that allows kind of some exterior uh, feedback, but as well as can hear the music. And when she gets, you know, kind of disjointed and really excited and overwhelmed, I guess I should say emotionally stimulated, um, you can see that she is able, I don't know if it's through visualization or if it's, you know, through some impact that it's having, but she's able to use the music to almost, you know, calm herself down. It's really dramatic to see. It's really cool stuff. Well, music is just so powerful. Um, Debbie, did you have something you wanted to add? Um, really, it's just trying to make for the listeners. Um, I know I get asked this pretty often at conferences and lectures and even during trainings is about getting music wrong or that they'll give an example of like, well, my dad has always loved this particular song, but now he's bothered by it. Um, and, and the example I kind of always want to share with people is because the song Amazing Grace is such a powerful song with, with my family, especially with my seven-year-old. Um you may have a loved one who loved the song Amazing Grace, but you find it on the radio station. I mean, you could go to iTunes and search Amazing Grace and have over a 100 different choices. The biggest thing that I want to always tell people about, especially with the question, can you get it wrong, is the way we break down every single song is we're going genre and subgenre, beats per minute, texture, progression, and so on. The really key thing for people to think about is texture. You think about the song Amazing Grace, and I know y'all had mentioned Elvis Presley before. Elvis Presley singing Amazing Grace, acoustic is very low texture. But Amazing Grace being performed by a full orchestra is very high texture. So always take into consideration that if your loved one liked a particular song and for some reason doesn't seem to, you may want to think how much textures within that song because you think about for us i mean standing in the middle of an airport with all kinds of noises around us that's very high texture which impacts our frustration anxiety being able to focus on something it's the same thing with even music so i would say take away that little nugget um that you still want to give them something they love you may just need to take a couple of things like in, in the example of texture and finding more of an acoustic or simple instrumentation of that song 
Okay. I wasn't sure what you meant by texture until you um, kind of gave the, the two different scenarios, which helps uh, in terms of, of of understanding that. So thank you. Um, David, we've got um, – you guys do a lot now with um, faith-based um music and so forth too and you and Debbie you know you had just brought that up can you talk a little bit about choral faith and and what that brings to the table yeah Lori thanks I mean you know what we found and, and this isn't surprising to anybody is that you know that people are, are as passionate um well let me back up for a second music is very individual and personalized I think we've all we've underscored that over the last hour now how how important that is and and obviously an individual's you know faith is is equal and there's a strong correlation between the two and when we were out doing our work and working with communities working with individuals working with care partners you know it's the same challenge if somebody has had, you know had a strong tie to their community, spiritual community, their whole life, and now they're either in a nursing home or they're at home and they're not able to travel because, you know, they're in advanced stages of, of dementia, Alzheimer's, um, you know, they, they are missing that, and it's been a part of their life, and people sometimes forget about that, and so we found that there was a big need there. We found that there was no real product um, that, you know, kind of went across all um, religious and spiritual uh, denominations and cultures, and even, you know, spiritual but not religious um, so we built this with the help of Dr. Carol Orsborn, who's amazing. She's our executive director of Coral Faith. She brought together spiritual and uh, uh, religious leaders from all over the world and, you know, built this program, which has thousands of hours of content, um, sermons, you know, prayers, uh, the Bible and sacred texts, psalms, proverbs, homilies, meditations, um, you know, hospice-specific support, um, dealing with death and dying. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a huge product for us. It's a great product for us. Um, it's been a wonderful success um, with individuals all around the world that are enjoying it. So we're very excited about it. Uh, we also have it as an app uh, coming out very soon uh, and uh, and available like a, like Debbie alluded to earlier in well over a thousand of our communities and hospitals uh, today. So it's a big part of, uh, of an extension of what we're doing. Wonderful. Uh, Debbie, anything you want to add on, on Coral Faith? No, it's, it's pretty much everything that, that David just hit on is it's just an extension of that, yes, music is personal to all of us. When it comes to our spiritual belief, it's almost, to me, it's even more personal. But yet, when we go into healthcare settings, it's sometimes it's, it's difficult to access. And as we know, when we go into whatever the healthcare setting is, that's when, for most of us, that we need a spiritual support even more um, at its peak in those environments. Yep, definitely. I I agree. And I like that you have such a broad um, reach over religion and spirituality, so it's not just one uh, genre or one belief. Um, you, you've really created just this, this global um, faith-based um, product that that people can really utilize and you know when our faith is so important to us and sometimes we don't realize how important until a tragedy occurs or a crisis is before us um but it can give us a great calming and so again that is something that I don't think people should should overlook 
Um, our hour has flown by here already. I want to, um, again, uh, touch base on how people can reach you, and uh, they can just go to www.coralhealth.com, and that's C-O-R-O health.com. Um, and then your app for the um, music first Alzheimer's, you can you know just go to the iTunes store and find that, or you can go to their website as well and find that um, direct uh, direct link from their site. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, on iTunes with the music first, um, it's available for um, three hours free. To test it, is that am I misspeaking or is that that's still correct? correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, wonderful. And I, I think it's just a, a fascinating um, tool for people to be able to use. Um, David, what is the cost of that again? Well, as you mentioned, it's uh, trying to make it accessible and get people to use it as much as possible. We offer the first three hours free, and then after that, it's four dollars and ninety-nine cents a month, and that's for unlimited okay. use. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for being on the show. Debbie, any last comments that you'd like to make? Oh, just thank you so much for allowing us to have this opportunity to share this with your listeners. Thank you. Not a problem. David, any last comments from you? You know, I, uh, I uh, we love what you do, Laura. We appreciate everything that you've done to support us over the years. Um, and, um, you know, Anything that we can ever do to, to support you or support all the people that you're helping, just please let us know. But uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share uh, our passion with your audience. Oh, great. Well, it's just a, it's a pleasure to know you guys. And, um, you know, I just uh, I'm thrilled to death um, that you guys are doing what you're doing. It's such important work. And, you know, to all the audience listeners, if if you haven't watched, a person's reaction to music, um, and I don't care who it is, but um, especially with someone with dementia, um, start paying attention because it is phenomenal. And an app like what Coral Health has developed can really ease the process because they know the science behind um, generating um, certain things from waking people up in the morning to putting them to sleep to um, getting them to eat to just putting a smile on their face, um, which will make everybody's life more enhanced. Um, you know, you don't have to be a rocket science uh, scientist because they are. Um, they've done the research, um, and they they understand this powerful tool that we all use in our lives every day, and they can help you um, bring it to a whole new level uh, for someone with dementia. So, again, thank you so much for your time today, and we will for sure be in touch in the future. I just love hearing all what you guys are up to. So thank you so much, David and Debbie, and um, we'll talk soon, okay? Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Bye now. I want Bye-bye. to um, just remind people uh, once again, if you haven't had a chance to um, listen to last week's episode on the scams, I would highly recommend that you do through the Be- Better Business Bureau. And um, the second half of the story was, again, with a woman who talked about living and loving a spouse with dementia, and she just gave beautiful insights, has written a book that's quite poetic, um, but 
very, very poignant in terms of honesty that we don't always hear from diagnosis to driving to, um, you know, just uh, having that that intimate partner. And so, um, again, I love my job. I, I love being able to talk to all these wonderful people. I love hearing your thoughts. So, again, Harry, thank you for participating in the conversation. I'm going to roll into our next guest here. Uh, Janet Calthrop um, has over 20 years in the field of financial insurance and risk management. And her love of helping people and her desire to make lives of uh, of the seniors more enjoyable helped her make a really major career change. Janet experienced her own grandmother's mental health and physical decline over the past decade, and she saw how important friends and family and activities are to those who are aging. And she felt that there was a significant need for an activity companion service, and that just um, becoming more and more clear to her all the time. Janet is currently working towards her CSA, which is Certified Senior Advisor um, uh, Certification, which is a, a fabulous uh, certification. I've actually been through that. And um, if you're looking for anyone working in the senior market, I, I highly recommend that. Um, you ask if they have that certification. It's quite intense and um, extremely, extremely thorough. Janet's mom was also a social worker, and she grew up learning from her mom just the importance of helping others. She now involves herself, her children, and her family in um, helping fill those emotional gaps that seniors experience by doing a lot of volunteer work and then creating activities for her community to benefit the lives of the seniors around her. So welcome today, Janet. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you part of the show. I, I think it's very interesting. We all know how important activities are or keeping busy, and sometimes it's just in terms of how we view what an activity is. Um, and I think there's stages people go through from thinking an activity is this big, planned, elaborate um, party or event to maybe just doing the wash you know, or taking a shower. Um, or, yes, or, or even having a conversation. Yes, even having it, a conversation. Exactly. So there's all different types. And so I want to be able to talk to that um, a little bit later in the show. But can you tell us a little bit more, where did your idea for Senior Activity Service come from? Um, I had mentioned in your bio a little bit about your grandma, um, but was it deeper than that? Uh, no, I give credit, I give full credit to my mother and my grandmother who live in a different state. And watching my grandmother's decline over many years, but knowing that her need for social stimulation was still there, no matter if she was experiencing a physical decline or a mental decline. Um, she had uh, multiple eye problems, which you know turned into full blindness. Um, and experiencing dementia and the Alzheimer's. So, I mean, there's been multiple steps. Uh, but throughout all these years, one important common factor in her life was the amount of social interaction 
that she maintained. Um, I, I watched this, and it, it just became clear to me after years and years of my mother providing it for her, um, the the you know the residence, the resident care home which she lived in providing it for her. Then my mother having to take further steps, uh, along with the friends that visited her, but to take further steps to provide additional uh, stimulation. Um, you know, and either bringing people in, bringing friends in, you know, just making it a constant awareness that this part of her life was being satisfied. Um, so many people, and as you know from what you've been doing for three years and years of this, but so many people experience, um, you know, a great onset of loneliness. Um, and through the social interaction and through the activities that were brought to my grandmother, that part has not existed. She's not been lonely, and, it, and she's over 80, and it's a blessing. It is a blessing, and that, that oh. was my true. That was my true. Um, you know, my, my true pushed the idea that if this is one person experiencing this, how many other people need this to be filled? How many thousands and thousands of people going through this aging process need this to be filled? Okay, and who exactly is your target market for activity services, uh, senior activity services? We started out going to the assisted living facilities in our area, um, working with the activity directors and explaining to them that um, we understand you have a you know a wonderful program in place, but we would like to help you provide activities for maybe the one, the people that are left behind. Maybe they don't feel as comfortable with the group. Um, maybe they are more a little bit more isolated, or maybe they haven't been as social. So we, you know, our target is to maybe pick up the invisible residents, as they're called, or the isolated residents within these facilities, to help keep them motivated and stimulated. We're also wanting to help the seniors that are still aging in place, or mm-hmm. maybe um, the seniors and their spouses, and possibly maybe their spouse has a physical setback, and the, you know the wife is taking care of the husband and. Um, you know, she might need a reprieve, and we would come in and help that. We would give her a break, but you know, continue to provide stimulation um, for the husband. So we have we have uh, a different level of target markets. Okay, great. And have you have you done much with people with dementia? Yes, um, we're finding out uh, this is a, a very new concept. Um, a mobile activity service is a new concept. Uh, we're finding out that people with, like, an early onset of dementia, an early onset of Alzheimer's, with their capabilities still in place to be able to participate. Um, you know, a little bit further on, as you know, as Alzheimer's progresses, um, mm-hmm. it, it may not be um, as easy for them to participate or maybe they're not as interested or, their, you know, their ability is not there any longer. But in the early in the early stages, we're finding we're getting great results. Okay, wonderful. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some recent medical studies regarding the brain's function that affects the services that you provide? Because I know you're tapped into and try to, to stay up to date on those studies. Uh, a, a big, my biggest um, inspiration, and I have not met this individual, but I'm reading about him. Online is Dr. Ken Kostick with uh, Cottage Center for Brain Fitness out of Santa Barbara College Cottage, Cottage Hospital. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Kostick is the director, and he has spent years studying 
see, um, you know, what can we do to delay cognitive decline? What can we do to help reduce the risk of cognitive decline? What kind of activities can we keep in place to keep the brain fit? Um, studying him, you know, just online and reading his information and his material and, and seeing what's come about in the news with all the medical studies and everything that's coming out now about brain fitness, it's just been a huge inspiration for me to know that we are heading in the right direction. Our service is actually heading towards this. This is, you know, an incredible opportunity for us to say this is proven through medical science. We have to keep our brains moving. We have to help our seniors keep their brains moving. This anything we can do to help reduce cognitive decline at any degree is is, is our is our goal. Okay. Does he have any um specifics that you want to share with us that, that you have found um important in terms of adapting your your services? Well, through what Kenneth Kostick has created and the Cottage Center, uh, the Cottage Hospital of Santa Barbara has now taking over his um, his center, actually. His uh, were based on uh, people coming in and partaking in more of like um, an online, I guess, computer-generated game format. And now I am finding out through research that there are more companies out there, like Senior Activity Service will provide we can provide uh, brain fitness games, you know, on computers. I mean, that's just one area of what we can provide other than, um, you know, games and pet therapy and obviously music. I mean, we provide many different activities. So this is just actually one part, the cognitive activity. It's just one part we touch on. We also touch on the physical activity level, spiritual activity, emotional activity. It really is about going in and assessing what, the senior needs what is what is needed to keep the senior healthy what is needed to keep the senior happy and talking about each one individually and then working with them from that okay do you work uh, closely i would imagine then with the families as well in terms of of like history and what their needs are and Definitely. Um, getting to know the family is the most important thing the caretakers if they're living in a you know in a care home finding out the, um, the people that actually live on site with them, what the interests are, what have their interests been in their past life, that information will you know, come from the family, what activities did they enjoy growing up, what was important to them in their life, what, what specifics um, regarding, um, you know, the job they did, were they involved in community service, did they have, or did they have a love for animals? I mean, it's just, it's like you're saying, it's really tapping into the mental or physical component of what was meaningful to them, and let's bring back that spark. Let's 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 talk about it again. You know, starting with the social interaction level, and let's let's spend time. Let's find out what comes through them. You know, the family can tell you things, but let's really find out from the senior what is important to them, and then we can tailor make the activities around their interests. Okay, great. Um, can you give us maybe um, an example uh, or two of what you do when you go into a home, maybe um, just with a couple of people that you're you're currently working with? Sure. Um, we first go in. Oh, sure. We first go in and we provide an assessment, and it's much like what a home care assessment would be, um, as far as you know, filling out paperwork and once again um, answering. There's a lot of questions that the family can help us with. A lot of questions as to all different types of activities and you know what their interests are. Um, then it's spending time with them and um, making sure you know that they're comfortable 
because we want to be looked upon as a friend. We want them to look forward to us. Let's say it's um, it's an elderly individual who still lives alone in their home, and they may have home care and medical care coming in at different times of the week. Well, we want to be the next person that they look forward to. You know, well, my mobile activity companion comes in on Tuesdays at 4, let's say. So we want to give that person that extra little, um, you know, chance to have social time at a different time of the week. So we can, while we're doing that, we're also giving a reprieve, as I said earlier, to whatever caretakers may be, um, on, you know, on site or in that home at that time. Then what we'll do, uh, we'll sit down with them, and after we tailor-make our plan and then we have the plan approved through the individual or the family or the caretakers, then we'll start bringing activities in, whether it's music or we can be doing, you know, any type of arts and crafts along with music. Um, if they're at a, at a, a higher-functioning area, we can involve them in community-related activities. We, and it's not bringing them anywhere. It's actually bringing activity into their home to help feel like they're still involved with their community. We'll say if there's a you know a drive for blankets or uh, Mother's Day or you know making cards for people. I mean it's it's just to help them have that uh, feeling of, of being able to touch the community even if they can't get out and do it. So there's just there's many different things. Like I said, if they're involved, if they love pets and if they have one or if they don't have any, if they're living in an in assisted facility and they're not able to bring some in, then we can bring those in for them also. Okay, great, great. Can you talk about um, some of the benefits that you think people receive, not just the person that you're working with, but maybe their their care partners as well? Oh, well, definitely. Um, as I've touched on, um, we believe in the importance and going through the CSA program, I mean, it, it's strongly evident that caregivers must have breaks. It is so important for the level of care that the senior is receiving for the caregiver to have breaks themselves, okay, so they can recharge emotionally and mentally and come back to the senior. So while the caregiver is having a break, we can come in and provide the activities and we, what we see is um, over time is you know a gradual increase of trust, a gradual increase of um, the senior opening up to us. Um, the main thing that they need that we've seen is they need social interaction. No matter what is going on, if we're playing a game, if we're doing a craft, I mean, no matter what we are doing, the uh, time for them to talk and to share and for us to listen and be you know loving ears and, and, and caring ears to them and just listen and absorb and just ask questions and just listen to them. It is so important to them. It just it really gives them a sense of fulfillment that there are people out there that want to hear their stories, and they have so many stories to tell, years of stories, wonderful stories. Very, very true. What, what's one of the, the um, I guess, best storylines that you've heard um, coming from your from your interaction? I, we... <laughs> We've heard a great deal um, about farm, early people living on farms, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being able to, um, having the opportunity to spend so much time outside and then the seniors nowadays not understanding why our children are outside more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a common thread. Um, uh, the, um, the common thread, another one is the, uh, onset of work. I mean, obviously, a lot of seniors worked at a very young age. Um, one individual loves to tell us how he started drinking coffee at five years old um, in order <laughs> to be outside with the older farmers. Um, I mean, it's it's just wonderful. A lot um, a lot of seniors talk about family, uh, multiple multiple kids, and 
with the generations uh, marrying younger and then having kids younger, there were, uh, you know, larger family presence at that time. So it becomes harder as they get older that so many of us are professional and say moving away. So it, it, it really puts a, you know, a different type of conundrum within their lives because they're used to a larger family presence. And then as they get older and need more family, you know, a lot of us are spread out more than we were 80 years ago. So it, it, it is quite entertaining. It can be sad at times, but you, you just need to be there to listen and to share. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes, you know, so often we think that we have to constantly be busy um, when we're with someone with dementia. And I know with my mom, sometimes we just sit there and don't say a word and just hold hands. And and that's just nice. It's calming, I think, for both of us and relaxing. Um, I think sometimes I bugger, um, but you know, it really is getting into um, getting into a mutual space where you're both comfortable, and that doesn't always have to be uh, this busyness. So I, I like that you talk about, you know, just listening. You know, and even when we say just listening, it, that's a huge, huge element. Again, that we that we take for granted, and it's really quite sad when you think about it is, um, it is. that what I've that seen we, is there are some people that are in the um, assisted facilities, and um, although they may have friends and they may have activities, they're um, maybe they're close friends or you know maybe passing away because they're eighty, ninety, or hundred. They're advanced in years or they're not living near their close friends anymore because they actually want to be near the family or the family has moved them closer. So although mm-hmm. they see their family, you know, once a week, but they're still missing this, this um, companion. So by by us spending time with them and, and, like you're saying, listening and just allowing them to open up once once that trust, once that bond is established, um, it, it, it helps bring them at a deeper place of, content, of being content, you know, being able to be content with themselves, um, it, it just it helps. The socialization issue is very very important. Yeah, def- definitely is. And um, and one of those things that I think can be so overlooked. I think one of the nice things about your service too is, you know, to help help those care partners um, get a little reprieve and a little break. Um, so that they're not always having to do it alone or maybe doing it together as well. When you when you go into a home setting and I you know, I've heard people talk in different angles with this and it comes in with um home care runs into this issue where the person who has dementia says, I don't need help. I don't want anybody in our home. You know, they're just they really don't want to go there. Um and sometimes people will um join in um with the care partner and the person with dementia. And then after a few visits, the care partner kind of eases their way out um, because now they really feel kind of the friendship and the bond. Have you ever um, felt a need to do something like that, or is it is it pretty comfortable from the get-go? No, I, I think the majority um, of of clients feel the need to um, to still be independent. I mean, depending, once again, what level that they're on, you know, what cognitive and physical level are they on, but they still they still value their independence. So they already have a home care person coming in or they have a caregiver 
and it is it is very important for them to see the bond that is between us and their family, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps feel that, you know, instead of being intrusive, we are trying to be included. We're not overstepping. We're not being authoritative to them. We're not saying this is the activity we're going to do today. It is more or less let's companion you we will not be a director. We will be a participant with you. And that makes it more comfortable. It's taking it down to a different level. It does. It does. It provides a great sense of comfort and trust. And we, we do. We have the, um, the response that you just spoke of. We have that response from men a lot. Um, men to, obviously to typically tend to be more, you know, um, independent, and they value that, as we all do, but they value that, you know, a lot longer in their lives Um and with a greater, you know, thrust of independence and then having people come in and take care of them. And they definitely, you know, there's a large majority of them that will hold their hand up and say, no, 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 you know, I don't need this. And mm-hmm. something we found is that the home care agencies, um, there's, there's measurable, quantifiable acts. We've got, you know, feeding, dressing, bathing, shopping, uh, laundry, I mean, basic, you know, the, the ADLs. Right, we've got the the daily living requirements in order to get through the day. A lot of home care agencies advertise that they are doing activities, and we 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 hope they are, and they are wonderful. But they're not as measurable as the ADLs are. Um, if your grandmother has been bathed and fed that day, you know you will know this. You may not know how much time was spent socializing, and you may not know how much time was spent participating in any type of activity or game. But that's why we want to focus on that. We want to say we will come in and this is what we will do, and then we even we you know we fill out charts and everything is is documented for what their participation level is, what their interest level was, um, you know everything is very well documented so that the family, the caregivers will know you know what you know it, is is the client actually being um, you know immersed into this activity or are they interested at all? So you know we try to make it a full a well-rounded experience. Wonderful. Now, can you tell people what area you concentrate in, too, because you're not a nationwide company, um, and so if we can talk about exactly where your where your focus uh, is right now. We're in the North Dallas area. Um, we are capable of Texas. We are capable of um, going within the entire DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth area, and the surrounding cities at this time. Okay. Wonderful. And do you are you looking at expanding, or do you have interest in at expanding outside that area? If there was someone else who was interested, uh, I didn't know yes. if, if maybe you're looking at franchising or. Yes, we would like to. Um, as I said, the service. This is a, a new idea as far as having a mobile activity companion, and we do we we do we understand and we know there are churches and you know volunteer organizations people that come in and occupy the seniors' time, and we think that's wonderful. I mean, we support. We, we don't want to work against that, and we don't want to work against the activity directors. We want to be included in this group. We want to come in, and we want to have, you know, the, the mobile activity companion that, um, that the client, you know, feels comfortable with and that person to continue to come back and, and as I said, to be part of the, the person's inner circle of friends. Um, we definitely would love to expand. That we are we are a new service, so in in time in time. Okay, sounds sounds great. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything that we haven't covered here. Um, anything else that you want to to share with our audience at all, Janet? Or 
Well, I, I, I would like for everybody to hear how important it is um, and just really know that, uh, you know, these are wonderful, wonderful facilities and, you know, assisted living facilities and retirement facilities, and there are some absolute wonderful activity directors out there, and we support you. We would like to be part of the lives of, you know, your residents. We would like to take a look at maybe the ones that are a little bit more isolated, that don't feel as comfortable as going into the group activities. Um, they may not prefer to be involved in a group. Maybe they're, you know, they've just been a bit shy by nature or, I mean, there's so many different reasons for people that um, don't come out to the group activities or maybe you'll see some coming out of their rooms that may be straggling a little bit in the hall, you know, holding back mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe just watching but not participating. So we would love to be able to help service these individuals and include them and, and make them feel, you know, as if they are participating and, you know, and bring them in. And, and there's just there's so many out there that are lonely. This is a major – in any facility that I've been to, I'm speaking with them, they're all speaking of loneliness. You know, loneliness is so prevalent here. We We – you know, we appreciate you bringing people in. We appreciate you bringing music in or, you know, animals in because loneliness is rampant here, even though even though it's a wonderful facility. So we want to help that. We really do. Yeah, and it is hard because the activities, um, you know, staff are limited in terms of of what they can do in many communities. And the focus usually is the group activities, but it is nice to be able to get that one-on-one or the smaller groups um, as well. Yeah. That's a really important factor. So if that's something that... Um, you know, you could you could support and help with. Now, as far as um, I, I'm assuming that you've got a fee because this is a business um, attached yes. to this. Is this covered? Because a lot of people will ask, is it covered by medical assistance or Medicare or is it private pay only? How does that it, work? It, yes, ma'am. It's private pay. Um, it is not covered. And I've spoken with many different, you know, organizations, insurance agencies, state regulations, that um, because we are not deal- dealing right now with the da- what's required for daily living, um, mm-hmm. people think that this is more of a benefit, although you and I know and everyone listening knows how important activities are to keep seniors motivated, either you know mentally, physically, spiritually. I mean, we know that this is a great importance, but it's not a required component to daily living or not what the state may see. So, mm-hmm. no, it is, unfortunately, it is not covered right now, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. And if people wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you, what is the best contact information uh, for us to give them, Janet? Our, our website would be the first place. It's com. And please you know, feel free to browse through and see all of our important articles. And our contact information is on there, which comes directly to me via email, and our phone number's on there also. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. Um, It was wonderful to chat with you. It's always nice to hear, you know, what people are doing and what's different, you know, what's shaking out there. There is uh, so much business to be had um, and so many neat ideas, and I, I encourage people to reach out to me if you're starting something new or if you've been doing it a long time. It doesn't make any difference, um, but the world needs to hear 
what you're doing well, because you. it might give them some ideas um, to be better prepared um, to serve those with dementia. So thank you for your time and good luck with your thank certification. You. I uh, I highly recommend, again, the, the Certified Senior Advisor uh, designation. I think it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful program that's available, and it's a nice way for people to kind of screen who they're working with to know if people um, have the the insights and the compassion uh, to move forward there. Well, great. You have a wonderful day, Janet. Thank you for your time. time. Okay, bye now. Uh, Before I go and close up the show, again, I just want to highlight and um, remind people uh, this show will be available by podcast in just a couple of minutes. You'll be able to go ahead and download it. You can um, tweet it and like us and do all of those things and help share it, um, which I would greatly appreciate if you can help us with that. And again, if you haven't listened to that last show about avoiding scams and with Nancy Levinson talking about loving and and living with a spouse with dementia, I I thought that was a nice show. June 4th will be our next show with Jackie Poole, and she is out of the U.K., and she is just this fabulous trainer, has wonderful ideas, and she's heading up Dementia Champions. The second half of that uh, show will be with Nicole Ivey, who is working on trying to get the NFL to participate in raising awareness. And then later today, we are going to be doing a new Dementia Chats webinar live. Uh, So we would love you to participate in that. You can find out more information on either the blog um, or you can go to Dementia Chats and Facebook is probably the easiest. Um, Or you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and click on Becoming Dementia Friendly and you'll see information, information there as well. Uh, remember, if you are in need of support, there are Alzheimer's associations all over the world, and you can go to Alzheimer's Disease International and find those locations. That's at www.alz.uk. I'm sorry, .co.uk. That's www. .alz.co.uk. And if you are interested in a clinical trial for Alzheimer's disease, go to www.alzheimersstudies.com. Both words are plural. And um, again, don't forget about Music First with Coral Health. Um, or you might want to check out Coral Faith as well at www dot c o r o health dot com until the next time try to live your life the way i do and focus on it's all about progress not perfection when you're engaging somebody with dementia this philosophy has helped me in a lot of ways throughout my life uh, let go of stress and really, I think, move forward and try new things without without worrying about that that piece of perfection that can make us uh, procrastinate instead of moving forward. Looking forward to talking with you all again and would love to hear any comments or questions you have. Always feel free to email me at lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com, or you can just go to 
the website, www.alzheimerspeaks.com, and just click on the contact button. Again, that website hosts all our information about the radio show, the blog, um, the resource directory, um, and so much more. So talk soon. Have a great week. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.